that my dad, anytime my dad would go anywhere, I was with him. And I don't remember it being a choice so much as in you're, you're going to go with me. And I didn't mind. I love going with my dad. I love going everywhere with him. If he was at the church, I was with him. If he was working on a project, I was with him. Anywhere he would go, uh, I remember him getting me out of school at times, probably when he shouldn't have, and take me to go to go do something somewhere. To go, vi- we would he would take me out of school just to go with him to go visit people in the hospital. And, uh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It instilled something in me. My grandfather would do the same, and it it forever shaped my life and put such a such a fundamental value in my life about working and the, uh, investing into the church and. I've always put a high, high value on that. But I realized something last fall, if I can be transparent with you before we get into Scripture. I, I realized something about myself, and it hit me rather hard, and maybe it was God convicting me, or maybe it was just some a season of self-reflection. I, I don't really know, but I realized that I was putting a little too much focus on work and not enough focus on my relationship with God. I found myself spending more time in the sound booth working on all the different things that we was doing and more time going and finding, going into the fellowship hall or our foyer and making sure things working. There's nothing wrong with that, but I found myself more concerned and more worried about my work than I was about worshiping God and being a part of the service. And I felt such a heavy conviction on my heart. And I went home, I remember after one Sunday, Pastor Kurt preached, and I remember I left, and I, I thought, what did, what did he preach? Don't take offense to this pastor. I remember, what did, I can't remember what he preached. I remember I was in the foyer. I remember I was in the sound booth. I remember I was in the admin office. I remember I had to go to the basement to fix something. I remember I had to go here and there, but I don't remember what he preached. And I wept, and I cried because I realized I had something had gotten out of balance in, in my walk with God. Not that I was necessarily doing anything wrong. I was working, I was doing what uh, God has called me to do, but I, I was out of balance. And so God began to work on my heart, and I began to, to make an effort. Now, I still spend a lot of time in the sound booth, and I still spend a lot of time going around. And, and many people do in our church, not just myself. We have a lot of people that invest a lot of time in things. But I've tried to make a conscious effort the past six months to really be a part of our services and be invested in our services, and not to be so focused on just works. And that's what I want to minister to you today. If you have your Bibles with you at home, if not, our, our awesome media team will have the, the scriptures on the screen for you to read. I want to read from Romans, the ninth chapter, starting with the 30th, 30th verse. I want to speak to you today on that. Romans says, what then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, a righteousness that is by faith? But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Can you say stumbling stone? As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, if you go to the next chapter, Romans, the 10th chapter in the first verse, it reads this way. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they 
did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes it in this way, the righteousness is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. I want to, just for about 20-25 minutes here, preach to you on this thought. The law of the stumbling stone. The law of the stumbling stone. You know, I have tried to get my children to obey with perfect obedience. I have made every effort to teach them to be as behaved and well-mannered and as, I guess if you want to say perfect, perfect obedience, but can I be honest with you today, it's proven to be much harder than I expected. I remember as a teenager and as a young adult, four kids, uh, I was emphatic that my kids would be perfectly behaved children. I, that's the commitment. I remember telling my wife when we got married, I said, listen, we, we, go, to, we go to rallies, we go to things. I said, our kids will never do that. My child will never throw a fit in the grocery store. My child will never run in the church. I'll never be late to anything because of my kids. I broke every one of those. I would, I would watch parents while I was growing up in the church, and I would think, man, I'll do it better. No way my kids will act that way. No way that they'll ever do that. I will not allow it to happen. I had this illusion that I would be the perfect parent and that I knew exactly how to handle kids. I knew exactly how to keep them in line. I knew exactly what to do. Can I confess you t to you this morning that I am as far as perfect that you can get being a parent. Uh, I try. I really do try my hardest. But my kids have done each and every one of those things. And no matter what I do, continue to try to push the limits. Uh, three kids later, one on the way, I've learned that no matter how disciplined, kids will be kids. They're going to push the limits. They're going to try things. No matter what I do, my son is going to tackle his sisters. He's going to put them in headlocks. The other day, he just took Riley down. He's half her size, took her right down to the floor. A little bit of proud, pride mixed in with, you know, had a little, do a little, little correction there. But some things are going to happen. My daughters are going to fight. Over the silliest things is going to happen. Bickering, talking back, arguing, rolling eyes, temper tantrums, and so much more than I am learning. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to push the limits. I cannot expect perfection from them. And for that matter, I cannot expect perfection from myself. Understand today in our scripture, perfect obedience was required by the law. You were expected to follow the letter of that law exactly. The law was the only way. The law was the only standard. The law must be obeyed. Can I tell you today that living up to a perfect law only leads to failure? According to this Jewish law, you could only be justified by works. In our English, English language, justification is a legal term. It, uh, it, refers to legal items. In Scripture, it speaks of God's justice or His legal side. Since no man could accomplish this, all men were condemned and cursed by the law. The law could not and cannot save you, but could only condemn you. I hope this makes sense today. 
The law made the sinner realize his need for salvation. But understand the Jews were ignorant of God's way of righteousness by faith in Christ. The Scripture tells us they went about trying to establish their own righteousness by works. They set all the efforts, all their efforts on the law of works, and they and they thought that they were justified. Jews believed that they were justified by the outward observance of a few outdated rituals. And when the gospel came along offering free salvation to the Gentiles as well as the Jews, not only was it given on the basis of grace and faith without freedom, it was given freely. The Jews were offended and they, they rejected it. They would not accept this salvation Paul said that they never obtained or understood the law of righteousness. Why why is that? What, What was the disconnect? Because they sought it not by faith, but by the works of their law. Romans, the third chapter in the 21st verse. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Himself a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed before Him unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just with the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. I don't know this. This is just my opinion. I think that there was probably some people walking around that time with some puffed up chess. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm accomplishing. The problem with salvation based on works is that man gets the glory. Can I tell you today that God will share His glory with no man? Glory is not for man, but for Him. The only boasting that it should be allowed is when we are proclaiming the greatness and the goodness of our God. He did not robe Himself in flesh and die on that cross on Mount Calvary so that you and me would get the glory. Can I tell you today, my greatest works could not save me. My greatest deeds could not save me. It could not protect me. There was nothing in my life that was good enough. Nothing that was pure enough to wash away, to wipe away those sins of my life. But through His grace. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for His grace? Through His grace that was applied to our lives. He saved us from our sins. He, His grace reached down and rescued me. It's like the song says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Was blind. But now I see. Would you just thank God for His saving grace? 
Would you do that with me? God, I thank you for your salvation that was given freely to me. God, I could never deserve it. I could never earn it. But God, you loved me enough to die on that cross, to save me from myself, to cleanse my life. Our scripture tells us that in Zion lay a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. You see, the Messiah came not as a mighty prince or a conqueror whom everyone could look up to or relish or trust in, but our Messiah came as a man of sorrows and humiliation and death. There are some that stumble at Him. Believe it or not, there are some who think it is disgraceful to trust such a person for salvation. There are some in this world who think that we are foolish believing in in our God, believing in Christ as our Lord and Savior. Maybe if you'll let me just be myself for a second, can I say they can think I'm a fool? They can think I'm crazy? They can think I'm absolutely nuts? But I'll shout it from the mountaintops. I'll tell everybody I see. I love Jesus Christ. He is the Lord and Savior. And He's come to save your life. I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. It is the power of God that brings salvation to those who believe. He required nothing from me. He gave me nothing. He gave me everything. I love Him. When I was at my worst, He saved me. When I was unlovable, He loved me. When I was lost, He saved me. When I walked away from His presence, He was waiting patiently for my return. I don't know how you feel today, but I want to tell the whole world about the God who loved me enough to save me. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Romans 4 and 1 says, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. For now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God to justify the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. We read in Scripture that Abraham was a heathen. He was a Gentile that worshipped idols. He, he was uncircumcised and not justified by the law, but we read that it took 430 years before he was justified by faith without works. But because he trusted and believed in God, he was counted as righteousness. I I pray that somebody hears me today. I know this may be a little bit of an unusual message, something I don't normally preach, but can I tell you it's time that we activate our faith in His grace. It's not about me. It's about what He's already done for me. When it's all said and done, I pray you hear me in the right spirit today. When it's all said and done, you will not get to heaven because anything you have done or accomplished. I thank God for each and every one of our dedicated members of Crossroads. We have the hardest working people in Indiana. You could even say maybe the nation. I think we have the best saints and members in the entire world. People who volunteer countless hours to help further God's kingdom. Dear people who clean this building maintain the property, organize events, 
uh, hold doors, works in the coffee cafe, teach our children, play instruments, sing songs of Zion, and so many more things. Can I say from, sincerely from the bottom of my heart today, God bless you and thank you for all that you do for Crossroads. I, I, I'm so blessed to be a part of this church. And I pray that you receive what I'm saying in the correct way. Your works will not save you. I know good people that do great things for our community, but do not have salvation. You will get to heaven because His blood was applied to your sins on Calvary. We are saved by His grace. And you enter into it by faith. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him. Faith is more than words. It is action. Faith is action. Grace is activated by faith. 1 Corinthians 10.21 You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord the cup of demons too. You cannot have part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. The Bible says you cannot drink of two cups. You must make a choice. James 3.14 But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boost, uh, boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing there are. But the wisdom is from above, is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. We know that works will not save us, but they can be a reason for us to be lost. We can't save ourselves, but we can't allow our works to get before our salvation. The reason we live holy and the reason we do all we can for Him is not because of anything I can do, but it's because God saved me. Not so that He will. My works cannot save me. Only God can save me. He already paid the price. He already died on Calvary. Paul said all things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. Some things are by the law, but not all are edifying. Paul was saying, I choose not to do some things. I can do it, but I choose not to do it. I have a choice to make today. Saying to God, you have a choice to make. Do I live for the Lord? Or do I live for this world? God won't make you choose. But you have the opportunity to partake of the Lord's table. I'm very simply today trying to preach to somebody's heart and let them know you have a decision to make. You cannot drink of two cups. We need to get into our minds that works cannot save us. God saves and then the work follows. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I hope this is coming across the right way today. I think, not just crossroads, can I just can I be blunt? As a church in a whole, our attitudes needs adjusting. Maybe we need to change the way we think about some things. I, I'm, 
I love social media and all the wonderful things we can do with it. Right now we're streaming to two platforms, reaching probably 100 to 200 people from our church, uh, maybe, maybe more, who knows. And it's wonderful, but I also think social media has hurt in a lot of ways. So many people want to put on there, look what I did. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. Maybe our attitudes need to be adjusted just, just a little bit. Because can I tell you once again, it's not about what you have done. It's what God has done. It's what God is doing. Something goes the way we don't like. Something happens the way we don't like. We get one or two scriptures together and then we just go on the attack. It doesn't matter if that scripture is doctrinally correct. It doesn't matter if we are sound in, in thought. Everyone, <laughs> I hope this is okay today. Everyone has to see it just like we do. Or they're wrong. I've come to tell you today it's time we laid down our squabbles and our childish disagreements over works. Stop caring about who's doing what and how they're doing it and what way they're doing it. And just start thinking about one thing. What is God doing? What is God trying to do? Start forgiving the works. Start focusing on the Master. I pray today that God would give me faith in His grace. I'm not putting my trust in any man. I'm not putting my trust in any person. I'm not putting my trust in any organization. But I'm putting my trust in God's hands, in His grace, that through the generations have seen thousands and millions saved. I'm getting up every morning, every single morning, and I'm singing and I'm saying, I love God. I love living for God. Would you say that with me right now? Would you just say, God, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I believe in your will. I have faith in your promise. God, I'm not focused on what you're what I can get out of this. I'm not focused on what I'm going to do. I'm not looking at what's the next thing I'm going to accomplish. But all I'm focused is on your grace. God, all I care about is getting in your presence. God, I'm putting every selfish desire aside. I'm putting every ambition aside. I'm putting my works aside so that your light can shine solely in my life. I have faith in you, God. I have faith in you, God. I know you will make a way. I know you will provide. I know you can save me if I can just get myself out of the way. Our musicians and singers can come at this time. I, I really feel, and I this is from my heart today because this is something I dealt with personally this past year. When we forget about the works, and start focusing on Him. And start focusing on faith. That's when I believe we can have real, true spiritual growth. Both personally and corporately. Now don't misunderstand me today. I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing for the church. Stop mowing the grass. Stop working on the building. Stop doing all the wonderful ministries. That's not what I'm saying. Those are vitally important. And God's chosen you to do most of those things. I want, I'm telling you today. Make sure your primary focus is on God. I don't know about you today, but I'm on my way to heaven. I'm looking up. I'm looking onwards. I'm looking towards God. I'm not holding any grudges. 
I'm letting go every, of every grudge of the past. I'm letting go of every pain of the past. I'm ready to start loving people like I've never loved them before. I pray that God would let me get past myself, get past my squabbles, get past my problems, and allow me to love people like I've never loved them before, to pray for people like I've never prayed before. We cannot afford to lose our identity. We keep our identity by not making more laws, but drawing close to the King of grace. Understand me today. I'm not saying that your labor for His kingdom is not needed. I'm not saying that your labor for His kingdom is not purpose-filled. I believe that when you work for Christ, you are rewarded. Corinthians, the third chapter, tells us we will be rewarded according to each his own labor. We cannot be saved by our works, but we can be rewarded according to our labor. Something I've come to realize with God is that our rewards are not given based upon how successful we are. If that was the case, then I wouldn't be getting anything. I have failed more than I have succeeded. But rather, we are rewarded according to our motive and our faithfulness in service to him. Only God can save me. Only God can keep me. It is through my faith in him that will see me saved. It is through my faith in him that will see me through. Saint of God, individual watching and listening to this right now, I, I hope you hear these words. Keep your focus on him. Keep your purpose in serving Focused on Him. It's all about Jesus Christ. I want everything I do, everything I'm a part of, to reflect my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about what I'm doing. It's not about what I'm accomplishing. It's about what God is doing right now in my life and in this church. While I was preparing for this sermon, I had old, well, Sold to me. Or to say that before Pastor Kurt corrects me. And then a song from my childhood that I I love singing the song. When I was growing up in the church, it was always a quartet or a trio that would sing the song. So we're going to do it a little differently. And I'm nowhere near a good singer. I'm not like the uh, like the great soloist, but I'm going to try to sing a song with our, our worship team. Maybe you'll remember it. Maybe you'll recognize it. It's called Saved by Grace. 